Well, friends, I am so thankful to be continuing our message series. We've been talking about prayer, how God loves you so much that, as we said in week one, that God wants to meet with you, that God loves you, wants a relationship with you, and wants to meet with you, which is pretty amazing. The creator of the entire universe wants time with you individually. He cares that much. And then in week two, we ask the question, God, who are you? Because if we're in a conversation with someone, we need to know the other party in the conversation. And we talked about how Jesus is Lord of all the universe and, and how this incredible God yet knows us, loves us, cares about us. And so today we ask God, God, would you help us Would you help us to hear you, to hear your voice, to hear you speaking to us? Because I believe that God wants to speak to us. God cares about the things that matter to us. Uh, God, God wants to speak to us, even through us sometimes. Now, I know that today we've got a few things on the mind, right? Especially Bengals fans, right? We've got, got some plans maybe today, and that's exciting, right? Uh, in fact, if you're here today, I mean, the big day's here. It's so exciting. If you believe that the Bengals are going to win today, give me a big who day. Who day. That's right. That's right. You know... That 8.30 crowd, they were pretty loud, let me tell you. They, are, they, they may be a little bit smaller, but they are mighty as well. We're pretty united in that, right? You know, I personally, as, as a student of the Bible, I'm pretty confident the Bengals are going to win as well because, you know, Bengals are not mentioned in the Bible, but Rams frequently are. <laughs> but they get slaughtered a lot. A couple weeks ago, I was, uh, we were in this message series, and I was uh, talking about, you might remember, I was talking about how prayer is like a natural communication with God. We don't need to use big, fancy words. I used the example of my high school principal, Mr. Douglas Yoder, who, uh, he was one who'd pray in the King James language, right? And actually, the way I wrote the sermon, I, had, I wrote this illustration to be uh, about uh, praying for a snow day. I was going to pray for a snow day in King James language. But during 8.30, as I was sitting there, uh, I got, got an inkling, probably from the Holy Spirit, that we should pray for the Bengals instead, right? So we did that. And I've had a number of you ask that we do that In fact, some of you insist that we do that today. Now, I I know you're not superstitious, but but in the words of Michael Scott of The Office, you're just a little stitious, right? So anyway, why not, right? So so why don't we go ahead and, and pray today for our beloved Bengals? Oh, benevolent Father in heaven creator of the mighty and powerful jaw of the Bengal tiger, and also of the weak and frail neck of the ram. Thou hast ordained the order of the food chain, and we give you praise this day. Wouldst thou also guide the steps of thy sons in black and in orange, empower them by the strength of Samson, the wisdom of Solomon, the courage of Jael, and the precision of David who slew the mighty Goliath. 
Place a hedge of protection around thy servant, Saint Joseph of the Borough, who thou hast anointed for such a time as this. Bestow upon us the trophy of Lombardy, that tomorrow thy servants may feast upon conies and graders, proclaiming with one voice our battle cry of old, Who day, who day, who day going to beat them Bengals? Amen. All right. As a lifelong Bears fan, I can sincerely appreciate the long-suffering that you've been through, and our family certainly celebrates with you all today. And in all seriousness, seriousness, God cares. God cares about the things that are on our hearts. That doesn't mean he guarantees our team will win, but God cares about the things, and we can cast all of our cares on him, be they simple things or, or big, big, big things in our lives. God wants a conversation with you. He wants to speak to you. He does. I believe that. And you know, in prayer, it's a conversation with God. And of course, conversations should be two ways, right? You ever been in a relationship with somebody who does all the talking? Yeah, it's not as ideal, right? It should be a two-way conversation, I love the classic episode of The Simpsons where Homer has this plate of cookies on the bed as he's praying. He's told them that he's giving them to God as a sacrifice for some reason. But he's hungry and he wants to eat them. So he prays and he says, Oh Lord, if thou wants me to eat the cookies, would thou give me absolutely no sign? Thank you, God. Amen and he eats the cookies. That's probably more manipulation than listening, you know, (laughs) but we need to listen for the voice of God because God does want to speak to us. And hey, listening to God can be a very, very difficult thing. I mean, it's hard enough to listen to people around us and we audibly hear them, right? The the voice of God can be more difficult to hear because I've prayed throughout my life and I've never personally heard the audible voice of God. I know that God can and does do that occasionally, but I haven't experienced it. And even the folks I know who believe that they have, they would say they haven't heard that very much. That would be certainly a rare thing. It's hard to hear the voice of God because there's so many distractions. In fact, we, more than perhaps any generation in the history of humanity, have a challenge with hearing the voice of God. We live in the information age where stuff is just coming at us constantly, right? And we have these these wonderful devices, right? That they're good in a lot of ways, but it's tough, right? Because we sit down to pray, right? And we say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Ding. Oh my gosh, my ninth best friend from high school just posted this amazing cat video. Oh, I've got to check it out. Can you, oh no, he's not, he's not going to. Oh, he did. Oh my goodness. I, those crazy cats. You, they get me every time. Where was I anyway? Oh yeah, I was praying. That's right. If that's you, please don't feel bad. This isn't a sermon to shame you. It's a sermon to challenge all of us, that we've, if we're going to hear the voice of God, 
we got to listen. In fact, we got to set aside some time to listen where we silence our phones, where maybe one of my favorite things to do is to go for a walk, where I leave my phone behind, where nobody can, can talk to me or ask me questions. Maybe uh, you're a parent of young children. Your quiet time may be done in the bathroom with the door locked. Whatever you got to do, we got to find that time with the Lord where we can listen to the voice of God because I absolutely believe that God speaks to us. I do. There's been times in my life where God has spoken to me in big and unexpected ways. For example, I was in high school I had chosen my college, my plans were set. I didn't read any college mail anyways. This was in the day where most communication from a college came by postal mail. And yet one time I walked out to get the mail and there on top was this college postcard and I actually read it and it was like God was speaking right to me. And God would use that postcard to change my plans, to change my life. A few years later, after Jennifer and I were married, I was since I graduated from college, I was wanting to work for a church full time, but it seemed in so many ways that God was saying that I needed to go on to, to seminary to get my master's degree, and I did not want to do that. I'd been in, or been in school since I was in kindergarten nonstop. I did not want to go spend a few more years in school, and so I was resisting this to the best of my ability, but God kept pursuing and persisting. So finally, we went to visit Asbury Seminary, and I had given God a list of things that I felt needed to be in line in order for this to happen. I was going really to show myself that I was right, that I was not supposed to go. And wouldn't you know, God systematically knocked out everything on that list. That night, I lay there in a hotel room in Wilmore, Kentucky, for two hours staring at the ceiling until I finally prayed a faithful prayer of obedience, and I said, fine, I'll go. (laughs) And God used it to change my life. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. It wasn't exactly a Jonah moment, (laughs) but God used it to redirect me. And of course, there was not that long ago, there was the the evening one night in Dayton, Ohio. I was standing on my back porch taking a call from a guy named Mark Rowland who asked me if I would prayerfully consider being part of a succession plan here at Anderson Hills. And God used it to change my life and my family's life, and we're so thankful. Those are some big ones. How about you? Maybe you've got some ways God has spoken to you, even in some big ways. If you're watching with us online, you could put it in the chat, or uh, if you're here in person, you could share with somebody on your way home today, or give somebody a call, or post about it on social media. Maybe it hasn't been big. Maybe it's been a small one. Maybe it was just through a random conversation. Maybe it was just a nudge you felt from God. You really can't put tangible things around it. Uh, Maybe it was a voice of a a mentor who spoke to you or challenged you. Uh, Maybe it was a TV show or a movie or a song. Maybe it was a low moment in life where you just felt the voice of God pulling you through. I've experienced those in my life too. And you know, I haven't batted a thousand. I don't think many of us have. There's been times I was quite certain God was guiding me in one way and the door just slammed shut and I realized I was misunderstanding. That's okay too. We seek to understand the voice of God. 
I want to share a story with you this morning of somebody who's an excellent example of listening to God. This guy would be one of the people in the Old Testament who would speak for God more often than just about anybody else. Uh, but, and I want to share with you the very first time that he heard from the Lord. His name was Samuel. And Samuel grew up in a time, or Samuel was born in a time uh, called the period of the Judges. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to it. It was an interesting time because God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, led them through the wilderness. Eventually, Moses leads them to the door of the promised land. Joshua crosses the the, uh, Jordan River with them and leads them in uh, to take over the promised land. They're not fully obedient to God. They're supposed to kick out all of the nations. They're worshiping idols. They don't do that fully. And so they're tempted from time to time to worship idols. The book of Judges repeatedly, or the book of Judges says that in those days there was no king in Israel. And so everybody did basically whatever seemed right to them, whatever was right in their own eyes. We call that anarchy. Everybody just does what they want to do. And that's the kind of time that it was in the country. So so it's in this wild time that there's this woman named Hannah. And Hannah comes to the tabernacle year after year after year. And, and she prays and she asks God for a child, for she was barren. She says, God, if you would just give me a child, I would dedicate him to your service. Would you please just bless me with a child? Well, eventually, she does conceive. She has a child. She names him Samuel, and as she promised, once he's old enough, she brings him to the tabernacle where he's going to serve the Lord. So there's a guy named Eli who's kind of the head of the tabernacle, kind of the chief religious guy in those days, and Eli seems to be a pretty good guy, but he's not a great parent. He has two sons that are are grown, and they are working with him there at the tabernacle, and these guys are just a1 jerks. They are not good, okay? When people would come to worship God and bring their offerings, these sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they would actually steal some of the gifts that were brought to God. I mean, imagine that. It's like if you were sitting in church today next to one of our staff members here at Anderson Hills or one of the pastors, and you're walking out the door, and you see the offering plate, and they just walk up to it, grab a couple handfuls of cash, and shove them in their pockets. Not good, (laughs) Not good. Our staff won't do that, I promise. But if they did, you better tell me, okay? Because we don't do that. That's not okay. That's not okay. That's horrible. Beyond that, Hophni and Phinehas had even began sleeping with women who would come to the tabernacle. They were desecrating the place. They were abusing their role of power. Just terrible. And this is the place that Eli is brought to, or sorry, that Samuel is brought to. Well, Samuel's cut from a different cloth. Samuel has his mama's heart for the Lord. He was faithful. And while, while Eli and Hophnius were, they were, uh, I'm sorry, while Hophni and Phinehas were uh, taking advantage of the people who came to worship God, Samuel was serving them. First Samuel chapter 3, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. Visions were quite uncommon. 
You might say, yeah, that sounds kind of like my life. I don't know if I've heard from God. Well, this story should give us some hope because it shows that God does speak. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God was not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Now, this is really cool. The, the tabernacle is the, like the center of where they worship God. And you, here you have this boy, Samuel, and he comes and he decides to, to sleep right there. You know, like he's like, I want, I want so much to be in the presence of God. Like, I, I, I'm just going to sleep right here, right, right where the choir's at, right? Like, that's where I want to be today, like right in the center of it all. I want to be that close to God's presence. That's awesome. Now, I don't recommend it for you. Please don't come to sleep in our church. We'll probably call the cops or something. But, but you understand metaphorically what's happening. Samuel wants to be that close to the presence of God. He wants to be that close to the presence of God. And there's a lot we can learn from him on how to hear God's voice. And the first lesson is simply to be still be still before God. This is what Samuel does. He rests in his presence. He goes to sleep even in the presence of God. This is, it's, it, it can be challenging for us, like I said earlier, but we can do it if we turn our eyes on Jesus and we say, God, I just, I want to hear your voice. I want to focus on you. Would you center me on you? And if you get distracted, it's okay. If you need to write something down or something, do that and come back. Listen for the voice of God. Or if you need to go for a walk or listen to a song, whatever it may be, we can do that. Continues in verse 4. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So Samuel did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Nope, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. That's all going to change. So the Lord called a third time, uh, a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And old Eli said, for crying out loud, Sammy, how can an old guy get some sleep around here if you keep interrupting me? Well, that's not actually biblical. But instead it says, then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. What a great prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It doesn't have to be fancy. Speak. Here I am. I'm listening, God. Did you call? And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And this leads us to the second thing we can learn from Samuel. Be willing to hear God speak through others. God speaks through other people sometimes. He can speak through your life group, through your band, a counselor, a friend, a boss, a spouse, a child, a parent. God can speak that way. Is what the person's saying to you, is it consistent with God's word? If not, it's not from God, plain and simple. 
Is it consistent with the leadings of the Holy Spirit in your life? Does it challenge you to be more like Jesus? If so, God may be using them to speak to you. And that leads us to the third thing Samuel did. Be ready and willing to obey. Be ready and willing to obey. Because if your posture towards God is just simply, eh, okay, whatever, I'll think about it. Well, you're probably not going to hear the voice of God very often in your life. You need to be ready and willing to obey. In fact, I challenge you, go home and read the rest of this chapter. You've got a little time before kickoff. You can pull it off, I promise. Go home and read the rest of this chapter, and you'll see that God gives Samuel a tough message for Eli. Basically, Eli's family's in trouble because they've been disobeying. God's going to bring judgment. Eli basically says, okay, if that's God's will, so be it. Tough message. Samuel could have kind of wussed out. He could have said, uh, I don't know I want to tell Eli that bad news. But he didn't. He was obedient. And maybe that's why God chose to speak to him. We've got to have this posture of listening. A posture like Psalm 46.10 says, to be still and know that I am God. It was challenging then. It's even more challenging today. It's even more essential today. Be still and know that I am God. This posture of, of hearing, this posture of confessing my sins before the Lord. God, I don't want anything to be a wall between me and you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Help me to be like you are more and more holy each and every day. Speak. I want to hear you. I want to hear your voice. God does want to speak to you. You know, for some of us, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, no, not me. God wants to speak to pastors, maybe. God wants to speak to choir members, maybe. But me, no, probably not. It's not true. God loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to speak to you. Late last summer, summer. The Bengals took on a, a slogan you're probably familiar with by now. They said, why not us? Why not us? We've been overlooked. We've been the underdogs. We've been mocked. Why not us? Why couldn't we be the ones to succeed? And this past week or past couple of weeks, they changed the phrase to say, it is us. Here we are. It is us. And let me tell you, that's true for you too. It is you. You are one who matters so much to God that God wants to speak to you. It is you. The voice of God is real and he wants to speak to you. He wants for prayers to be a two-way communication in your life. And during this series, we're giving you ways to put this into practice. We've challenged you to come forward to receive prayer after the services. We've been having lots of folks come forward to do that. It's a really powerful thing. I believe in the power of praying for others and receiving prayer. But today, we're going to put this one in practice. We'll also be available to after the service. But first, I want to take some time just to listen to God. And you're saying, man, my life is so crazy and busy and we're just going to take some moments here of just quietness. It's a gift, really, from God to you. Silence the phone. No other distractions. 
Nobody's going to bug you here. We're just going to be silent. We're going to follow Eli's advice. And we're going to pray and say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And as we were praying about this service and talking about it, we felt God place a, a word on our hearts, a question to ask God. To ask God, God, when you look at me, your, your, your daughter or your son, what do you like about me? What do you see that pleases you, that brings you joy? Satan loves to fill our mind with a lot of negative tapes about ourselves. Our Father loves you, cares about you, is so proud of you. So I invite you in these moments just to ask God, God, what do you like about me? So come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Your servants are listening. When you look at us, what do you see? What brings you joy, Heavenly Father? Daddy, what do you love about us? Won't you tell us?